You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily Florida State Seminoles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Seminoles podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Wayne Yehi, the third Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. And I apologize for my extended absence. I've had some uh, some issues to deal with with my house. It was... Uh, had some extensive water damage that I've been uh, that I've been dealing with, and I was also uh, very very sick. So sorry about the extended absence. I hope uh, I hope you guys are doing well. And you know, for those of you who are returning listeners, I really appreciate all the support that you guys have given me. You know, since this podcast started, it's really meant a lot. I know it's been a been a rough year for uh, for all of you Florida State fans out there. It was certainly uh, rough to cover the Florida State football season. But um, if you don't know who I am, I'm the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. Like I said, I cover football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting. Uh, I attend every home football game, away football game, bowl game, um, basketball, every home basketball game, as well as any postseason basketball games, baseball, same thing, and then any major minor recruiting events that Florida State has. So I have a pretty good idea of what's going on around the three main sports. Uh, the three, not three main sports. I can't really say that. Florida, uh, Florida State's women's soccer just won a national championship. Softball won a national championship uh, in in July or in June. Sorry, and um, you know they're just as important as the football, baseball, and basketball programs. But I cover football, baseball, and basketball, and as well as recruiting. So. <clears throat> Jumping, uh, jumping right into things. A lot's happened since my last, uh, last podcast. Florida State lost to Florida in pretty embarrassing fashion, and the season ended. Florida State didn't make a bowl game for the first time in 36 years. Winning season streak snapped at 41 years. It was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a complete disaster. And now, you know, jumping forward, since I don't, you know, I don't really want to relive that game again, and I'm sure none of nobody else does. Um, you know, lots happened in the past week. Walt Bell has left to become the offensive, or not the offensive coordinator. He left Florida State as the offensive coordinator and is now the head coach at UMass. Florida State has to hire a new offensive coordinator, um, and there's a whole lot of you know, a whole lot of stuff that we have to talk about with that. You know, reports came out that Josh Ball is looking to come back to Florida State. I've talked about that a few times on this podcast. We're going to talk a little bit, a little bit more about it. Um, now that it seems like it's more of a possibility, uh, it was always, you know, I guess a possible scenario. I guess now it's looking like it's a more likely scenario, though Florida State gets the last word on that. Not the football program, but the university. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and we'll talk a little bit about some uh, some Florida State basketball and just how good this team is. So there's a lot to talk about, and I'm just going to jump right into the Walt Bell stuff. Um you know, Bell obviously left. He was not happy at Florida State. Uh, I talked a little bit about that a, a few times. Um, you know, the thought was that giving over play calling duties would would make him a little a little happier there. But it seemed like him and Willie didn't uh, didn't really mesh the way that they thought they would. So it's back to the drawing board, finding an offensive coordinator. Um, and Florida State has to find one within the next two weeks because that's when the early signing period starts. And there are some major offensive recruits that are uh, are signing early, notably Sam Howell, who you know, had a uh, a very good relationship with Walt Bell. Walt Bell, when he was at Maryland, was Howell's first offer. He went on to you know get thirty more offers and uh, committed to Florida State primarily because Bell was at Florida State, and you know those two got along and they 
uh, you know, they just liked each other. And so Florida State's right now, Florida State's in the position of trying to keep Howell because there's not really any of the quarterbacks that Florida State can can go out and get at this point um, that are going to be early enrollees that, you know, because at this point, we're not sure if DeAndre Francois is going to be back. I don't expect him to be back, but we'll have to wait and see on that one, which would leave just James Blackman as the only scholarship quarterback on the roster for the spring. Florida State needs to get one in on campus for spring practice, and right now that's Sam Howell, assuming he sticks. Um, North Carolina made a coaching change. Larry Fedora uh, was fired. Mac Brown's the new head coach there. Fedora and his staff, was the pri- you know they were the primary um relationships for Howell at North Carolina. So if if Fedora was still at North Carolina with Walt Bell leaving, I believe Sam Howell would already be committed to North Carolina. Um, but because Fedora was fired, well, the door's still open for Florida State to keep Sam Howell. Uh, Willie Taggart is going in home with, with Howell today, according to Knowles 24-7. Um, so it's a... Uh, you know, Willie's Willie's going to put it all on the line. Um, you know he's going in in home today rather than next week. It's you know it's going to be interesting to see how that move goes because Howell's obviously going to want to know who Florida State's offense coordinator is going to be for the foreseeable future because you know he's if he's coming to Florida State he wants to know who he's going to play for because Florida State's uh, offense coordinator is also going to be Florida State's quarterback coach. So you know it's it's a double whammy for Howell and he's going to want to know so. It's it's going to be interesting. Florida State has you know has not hired anybody yet. Obviously, if they had, I'd have reported it. But it um, you know that hasn't happened yet. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how that all plays out over the next couple of weeks. There's a few candidates that Florida State is looking at. Um, I covered them extensively in my story on the Democrat today. But um, you know Cliff Kingsbury would obviously be number one on everybody's board. You know he, he's a, an offensive genius. He was fired at Texas Tech. Now he's going to USC, so his name is off the board. Um, Hugh Freeze, the former Ole Miss coach. Uh, Kendall Bryles, the offensive coordinator at Houston. Mike Sanford, who was formerly the uh, head coach at Western Kentucky before he was fired uh, just, a, just a week ago. And then Larry Fedora is a name that I've heard pop up recently um, in the past couple days, or the past day, that uh, that I think is going to get a look. So... Uh, I think Freeze is the number one target. Um, you might remember him at Ole Miss. His offense was uh, was fun to watch. They put up a lot of points, and um, they you know they they had a lot of success before he was fired for uh, calling escorts on his work phone. You know it is what it is. It's college football. If the yeah the 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 NCAA was also involved at uh, at Ole Miss. He received a. Uh, a two-game suspension that would only take place if he was a head coach this past season. So there's no NCAA ramifications if he does decide to take a uh, to take a offensive coordinator position at either you know Florida State, Alabama's looking into him right now. I believe Te- uh, Tennessee has been linked to him. He's also been linked to the head coaching opening at Liberty. So yeah, there's still a lot to a uh, lot of parse through with him. But I do believe he's the number one target for Florida State at this point. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, finding the way to get uh, to get everything all in line. Um, but the other guys are still options. If uh, if Freeze falls through, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. 
but uh, get, obviously Florida State's offense was not good this year. The offense, Florida State offensive line was uh, was abysmal. There's there's no other way to describe it. It was abysmal. It was the worst worst offensive line unit in the country, uh, especially among Power Five. I mean, it wasn't even close. So you know, th there's still a lot to uh, you know a lot to get into with that. And Florida State's doing a you know casting a wide net for offensive linemen. Um, you know, they're offering a bunch of JUCO guys. I mentioned that Josh Ball was possibility of him coming back. They've offered a bunch of high school kids. They have one committed in Dante Lucas. They had two, but Charles Cross decommitted. It's likely he ends up at Mississippi State at this point. But um, Florida State's going to uh, going to have to figure out how to fix the offensive line. Um, we'll get into that in the podcast later this week. There's just too much to talk about as far as everything else goes. And we'll get into Josh Ball here in the uh, in the next segment. But before we do that, are you sick of paying for 20 channels you never watch when you just want to see Florida State win? Then you've got to check out Sling TV. It's the best way to watch college football. $30 a month gets you ESPN, the Pac-12 Network, the SEC Network, and probably the ACC Network when it comes out next August you know, for, for the 2019 football season. So you get no useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel anytime. And you can stream on your big screen and all your favorite devices. So check out Sling TV if you're tired of fighting with cable. Locked On listeners can get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com forward slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com forward slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. So go check it out. Thanks for sticking with me as we head into this second segment of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. And we're going to be talking about Josh Ball. We talked about him a few times, and my position on this has not changed one bit. Florida State should absolutely not be bringing Josh Ball back to play football. It's Right now, it's out of the, the hands of, you know, of the coaching staff at Florida State. But there has to be some assurances that if he does get readmitted to Florida State, that he would be able to play football. There's no other reason why he would come back. So, you know, I've seen a lot of people arguing that it's not on the football program at this point to, um, you know, to say that he can't come back. There's no way that he's coming back not to play football. He's not just enrolling at Florida State to be a student. He's coming back to play football, and the only way that I believe he would do that is if he has had contact with Florida State and they, you know, showed interest in bringing him back. Um, I think that's a mistake. I, I think that's a huge mistake. Um, he was uh, he was suspended from the university after being found responsible for dating violence against his former girlfriend. She had a uh, she had court-ordered protections from from him, or she filed for court-ordered protection. He agreed not to go within 500 yards of her or the strip um, on Tennessee Street where she worked at the time. And she's come out and said that she uh, she would be very unhappy if um, if Josh Ball were coming back to play football. And um, she believes Willie Taggart can recruit better players and better people. So you know, and I. I tend to agree. I mean, I, I, at least with the better people part. I mean, Taggart is, has talked about changing the culture at Florida State so many times since he arrived. He's talking about getting rid of the losing culture and building a program of players that want to be there and, and players that are good in the community and good in the classroom. And Josh Ball is not a, a player that's good for the community. Um, he 
I don't I don't want to get into the details of the case. If you want to go um and look up, you know, what he did, that's fine. I'm not going to I'm not going to go into it. It's, you know, it's all over the Democrat. You can just go into the search bar, type in Josh Ball and it's going to pop up. Um but I just I don't believe that that he should be allowed back at Florida State. I that's something that I vehemently am, am, am against. He he had his chance and yeah, I'm not saying he can't play football somewhere else. I'm saying that he shouldn't be allowed to play football at Florida State. The university suspended him. They found him responsible for dating violence, and they suspended him for for the year. He could potentially come back. He would be on disciplinary probation in 2019 through 2020. Um, and I, there's 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 no other way to describe it. I I would be as far against that as as I can be. Um, it's just, you know, with, with the whole culture change thing, you're trying to weed out guys that, that don't belong, that don't buy in, that aren't, you know, willing to stick to the values that Willie has. And that he mentioned when he brought in, he, he did, you know, he, he did a really good job of changing the culture. Um, but he, he still needs to take it further and bringing a guy like Josh Ball back is only going to make it worse. I mean, what message does it send? You know, what, what message does it send to the team that you're willing to bring back a guy that's committed dating violence against his girlfriend just in order to win? And I understand that winning is important. If he doesn't win, he's going to lose his job. But is it really worth, you know, selling selling out on your values, the values that he preached to his players, just to, you know, just to bring back one player that's, I mean, that, that did what he did. It's I just I I don't understand it. I don't know how he could walk into his, uh, you know, in, into in, into a meeting with the players, and you know, tell them and preach the values that he's been preaching. You know, being a good student, being good for the community, playing hard, and all of that. You know, and sit there and, and have Josh Ball back in the back in the locker room after after everything he did. It just it doesn't make any sense to me, and I think it would undermine everything that Taggart's trying to, uh, everything that Taggart's trying to build, um, you know, everything that he was trying to do when he first got here. I think it would completely undermine it, and I, I just I don't see how it benefits Florida State at all. Except, you know, I do think that he would be an upgrade over any of the guys who played tackle this year. Um, that includes Landon Dickerson, who played two games, but he was he's a guard. He should be playing guard. Um, you know, Ball started at left tackle for Florida State. He was going to start at right tackle before he was suspended from the university. So, I, I just I, I don't get it. Um, I think it was, I think it's it's a bad move. I think it's going to have it's going to be a major black eye for the university and the program if he's allowed back in and allowed to play. And um, I, I just I, I don't think it's worth it for one player to, you know, undermine the values that you've been preaching since you got here so you know we'll have to wait and see if Florida State does decide to uh to take him back you know um that's up to the university at this point but we'll uh we'll just have to wait and see if that happens in the next segment I'm going to talk a little bit about Florida State basketball the Seminoles have been very good this season they are seven and one ranked 11th in the uh in the coaches poll and the AP poll, we're not going to use the net rankings because they're stupid. And uh, I'll tell you why they're stupid in just a minute, because they're annoying. 
Uh, it's the new, that's the new system that the NCA is using instead of the RPI. And it is at, at least at this point, it is far worse than the, uh, than the actual RPI was. So we'll, uh, We'll get into that in the final segment of today's Locked On Seminoles podcast in just a minute. Thank you for sticking with me as we uh, as we continue this Locked On Seminoles podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about Florida State hoops. Knowles are seven and one, have two wins over ranked opponents so far this season. Uh, had one loss to Villanova. Florida State plays Connecticut uh, in New York on on Saturday at six thirty. So. You know, there's a, you know, there, there's a lot of excitement with Florida State right now. I mean, they trounced Florida. We talked a little bit about that. They came back. They had a, you know, an overtime win against LSU. They had an, a, a final second win against Purdue. They're finding ways to win, and they don't even have the best player on the roster. At least, you know, the leading scorer. I wouldn't. I don't know if uh, Phil Kofer is the best player on the roster, but Phil Phil was Florida State's leading scorer last season. And he's a you know he's a fifth year senior he's a veteran guy his leadership on the court is something that Florida State I believe is is missing a little bit um, especially with when the second unit comes out onto the court it's so Florida State's is only going to get better from here and they already have two uh, wins over ranked opponents um, it's been it's been an impressive impressive start to the season and this you know this uh, this non-conference slate wasn't easy. I mean, this is one of the toughest non-conference slates in the country. Florida State's strength of schedule is number 19, according to uh, to Ken Palm right now, which is, you know, a lot different than what it has been in the past. You couple that in with the um, with the ACC and Florida, and Florida State, if, if they can continue to find success, is going to have a really solid resume come, uh, come time for NCAA selection. Uh, ESPN's bracketologist Joe Lenardi has Florida State as a three seed um, in the in the West region, I believe. So there's a you know there's just so much to like about what Florida State's been able to do. I mean, Terrence Mann has been has been all right this year. He's he's killing it. He's killing it on the boards, averaging all, over seven a game. He's averaging eleven points. Florida State has four players that are averaging more than ten points per game, and PJ Savoy is averaging nine uh, nine point five. So I mean, Terrence Mann, Fiondu Cavangeli, Trent Forrest, and MJ Walker are all averaging over ten points per game. Um, so I I really like what Florida State's done. With the roster, with with Kofor out, um, they're starting four guards and and uh, Chris Kamaji at uh, at center, and then coming off the bench, it's uh, Fee, and then they have you, you have Raekwon Gray, David Nichols, Anthony Plight, Devin Vassell, and then Wyatt Wilkes is playing some, not much, but playing some. Um, but the starters are Terrence Mann, Trent Forrest, MJ Walker, PJ Savoy, and then Chris Kumaji. Uh, it's a really good starting lineup. It's going to get shuffled a little bit um, when when Kofor comes back. I'm I'm inclined to think that Savoy is going to come off the bench a little bit more at this point because MJ Walker has been has been so good um, so far so far this year. I don't think you bench him. You obviously don't bench Trent Forrest. He's your point guard. He's you know, one of the best players on the team, and um, you know you're not going to bench Terrence Mann. That's just not going to happen. 
So I, I believe that Savoy will come off the uh, or will will come off the bench when Kofor comes back healthy. We're not sure when Kofor is coming back healthy at this point. Um, he could come back, you know, this weekend for all we know. I doubt that happens, but I do expect him to be ready for ACC play, and uh, that's obviously going to be good for Florida State because they're going to need the sum of all their parts, as Leonard Hamilton loves to say. Uh, for ACC play this season because there's so many good ACC teams. It's ridiculous. It's the toughest conference in the country this year, and uh, this uh, this ACC schedule is going to be a lot of fun. I am in particular looking forward to the Duke game to watch uh, Florida State play against Zion Williams and R.J. Barrett and, uh, and Cam Reddish, who are projected to all three be the top three players in the NBA draft uh, next season. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to a fun season of basketball, and, and r- right now it's it's living up to it. This team has been has has lived up to the preseason hype. They had that one loss against Villanova. Um, you know, maybe they don't lose that game without you know with Phil Kofer in the lineup. Uh, maybe not, but Villanova is the defending national champions. They got rocked by Michigan. Uh, they lost they lost at home uh, earlier in the season. But you know this that that team is starting to get things together, and I think they're going to be a really good basketball team by the end of the year. They're already, I mean, they're they're back ranked again at this point. So Florida State's only loss is to a ranked team on a neutral side. It's not, you know, I mean, that's not that bad. Um, but I'm I'm really interested to see how the dynamic changes when Phil Kofer comes back, just because of how it, it, Florida State is already using up a ton, using a ton of depth. I mean, Raekwon Gray. You know, and Anthony Polite are the two redshirt freshmen that are coming off the bench. Both are playing over 10 minutes per game. Uh, and they're, you know, for the most part, they're playing well. They're, they're getting acclimated to the um, to the college game. David Nichols is the is the backup point guard. He's coming in. Um, you know, he, he's still, I guess, acclimating to the speed of major college basketball. He's a graduate transfer from Albany. And he's getting used to his new role as a backup. I mean, he's playing about 16 minutes per game. He's only aver- he's averaging just under four points per game. Uh, but he's t- he's taking a lot of shots. He needs to be better with his shot selection. But he's you know he's he's running the floor like Florida State needs him to run. I think that Florida State is going to get much much better when Kofor comes back because that's going to move a guy like Savoy, who is an offensive you know a, a very good offensive player, onto the back line onto the second line. With Fee right now, Fee's dealing with a you know Nichols who is taking a, a lot of bad shots, and then a couple of redshirt freshmen as well as you know a, a true freshman in Devin Vassell. So and and then Wyatt Wilkes, who's also a redshirt freshman, he hasn't played much, but uh, when he does, he's a uh, he's a sharpshooter kind of guy. So he hit one from the damn Florida State logo against Troy. Uh, man, that, that was far out of NBA range. So there's there's so many guys that can do so many different things on this team, but I do think it's going to help when Kofor comes back because it's going to put another offensive weapon, another guy who can shoot the three on that second line because right now Savoy and Walker are Florida State's best three-point shooters, and um, you know, neither, of, neither of those guys are... Like they, they rotate them in, but the second lot, when the second line comes in, there's not really a, an outside shot threat. I mean... Polite is all right at it, um, but he, he's he's not great. Raekwon doesn't take enough, you know. To uh, he's a good shooter, but he doesn't take a lot of threes. You know, Vassell is is not afraid to let it go, but he's only playing about eight eight and a half minutes per game. And then you know, 
Fee isn't going to take a lot of threes. That's just not who he is. So it, moving Savoy back to the second line puts an outside shooting threat. It's going to take some pressure off uh, Fee. It's going to take some pressure off you know everyone else that likes to drive to the basket. A guy like Raekwon who can get to the basket with ease. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna help him out, help him out a lot. So uh, once Phil comes back, this team's gonna be really really good, and I'm really looking forward to it. And you know the next uh, the next few games aren't exactly the toughest on the schedule. UConn they haven't been very good this season, um, and then Southeast Missouri State, North Florida. St. Louis, and then Winthrop on January 1st is the remaining non-conference schedule uh, before Florida State jumps right into AC, ACC play at Virginia versus Miami at home against Duke and then at Pittsburgh at Boston College and then versus Clemson. So there, there's a lot to, uh, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to with this, uh, with this Florida State basketball season. And I'm, I'm going to continue to, uh, to enjoy it because right now, of the of the men's teams, you know that they're the best on campus. You know, not to not to slight the women who, like I said, women's soccer just won a national championship and the run was pretty amazing. I mean, they beat, I think, something like twenty of the last uh, twenty, yeah, teams that won twenty of the last thirty three national championships along the way. I, it, it was uh, truly impressive. They beat every team that's won a national championship since they won their first one in twenty fourteen. Uh, in the playoff or in the in the uh, in the tournament, so and then softball obviously won one back in June. So there's uh, the men's sports got to start catching up because uh, Dana Castellanos, who uh, you know is an international soccer star, plays for Florida State, called this uh, female sport university right now. So the men's got to step it up, and right now that's going to be on the shoulders of the this Florida State men's basketball team, but. There's a there's a lot to like about this team. This team has the potential to be really really good come tournament time. Um, you know, once Phil Kofer returns, it, this team will be really really good. So make sure to stay tuned to that, and we'll have coverage of Florida State basketball and then Florida State recruiting. I'll get into more recruiting talk. I'll do an entire podcast dedicated to recruiting tomorrow, um, and we'll get into we'll get into more more talk about that. But. That'll be it for this edition of the Locked on Seminoles podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, I've enjoyed being back, and I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. So for the Locked on Seminoles podcast, I'm Wayne McGahey. Have a wonderful day.